Aren't you glad you know who holds your hand? Amen? Thank you so much, Praise Team, for leading us in our time of worship this morning. Thank you, Darlene, for that beautiful, beautiful song. And I want to encourage you to take your Bible and turn uh, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And I want to preach a message this morning entitled, uh, How's Your Love Life? <laughs> How's Your Love Life? We are getting back today, uh, finally, to our study in 1 John. We've been away for quite a while uh, because of different things. Uh, but this morning, we will return uh, to 1 John. And I want to talk about this subject, the songs that we just sang went beautifully with what God uh, has laid on my heart um, about love. I heard a story many years ago that uh, I remember from time to time about a church that was a very wealthy church. Most of the members in that church were very wealthy. And um, everything was in place. Everything was nice. The church had the finest of everything. One particular Sunday morning, the service had already started. And the front door opened. And in walked a young man in his early 20s. And immediately when folks turned around and looked at that young man, they were saying under their breath, that guy doesn't fit here. When they looked, his clothes were muddy and dirty. He was disheveled. It was obvious that he had not taken a shower in many days. And as he walked down the aisle, every eye began to turn and look at this man. It was obvious that he had not been in church in a long time, if ever. And finally, he made his way down to the very front of the church and sat in the very front of the pulpit on the floor Indian style. When he did that, you could hear an audible gasp from many in the congregation. And they were trying to figure out what in the world is someone going to do to save this service. Well, finally, the oldest deacon in the church who was dressed to the nines got up and he began to slowly walk down the center aisle with his cane. And as he began to walk, you could hear a mumbling and folks were saying, this deacon is going to take care of what's going on. This guy began to walk and slowly he walked down to the very front. 
There really was an excitement in the air because they were convinced that he would know what to do. When this deacon got to the very front, he put the cane on the front pew. And with a lot of energy and with a lot of effort, he got down on the floor and he sat Indian style right next to that young man. And they began to scoot back so that their backs would touch the front pew. And that older guy put his arm around that young man. And he saved the service. Let me tell you why. Because he showed real love. Amen. He showed real love. So I want to ask you a question. How this morning? I want to ask you a question this morning. Listen. How is your love life? First John chapter 3, and I, I want to ask you to allow your eyes to fall on verse 16. A powerful passage of Scripture as we get back to our study. It says this, by this, First John 3, 16, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how, listen church, how, listen, let that sink in. John asked this question, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Now He who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him, and by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit 
whom he has given us. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you, God. I just pray that you would help us to see truth as a church this morning. Father, I do pray that we'll see it as individuals, yes. But God, when we get a hold of it as individuals, that corporately, this text this morning will not leave us, but it will speak to us. As White Oak Baptist Church, it will speak to us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to continue to apply it to our lives. We love you. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. There are two things that I want you to see in this passage of Scripture this morning. First of all, I want us to see the demonstration. The demonstration, really the demonstration of love. When you look at verse 16, John begins like this. By this we know love. By this we know love. I want to remind you of the last Sunday, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to remind you of what we looked at beginning in verse 17 last week. Because these two things dovetail. Notice what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You remember this. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Listen, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you shall be filled with all the fullness of God. You remember that passage of Scripture that we were looking at the love of God and how wide it is and how tall it is and how deep it is. And, and, and he said, listen, it's so amazing. It's hard to get it and understanding of it deeply. Well, here in our passage, I love the way this starts. He says this, this, by this, we know love. And here it's laid out for us. How do we know it? Because He, Jesus, laid down His life for us. Can you say amen? That's how you know love. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And I want to give you three words with that one phrase right there. First of all, He did it voluntarily. He did it voluntarily. Can you think about this? He was not forced into this. And it did not take Him by surprise. He did it voluntarily. He laid down his life. In John chapter 10, in just a moment, we're going to see a couple of verses on the screen. But I want you, if you have your Bible, to turn to John chapter 10, because I want to show you something. If you happen to have your Bible this morning, turn to John 10, and possibly...
there watching from home, if you have your Bible, turn to John 10. Because I want us to see how incredible this truth is that Jesus voluntarily gave his life. He laid down his life. The Bible says in John 10, if you're there, notice where it says in verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Notice this. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Do you see it there? He gives his life for the sheep. And then if you'll notice verse 15. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And Jesus said, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay my life down. And then what's on the screen, verses 17 and 18, notice this, therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Don't you love that passage of Scripture? That Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. That's why early in the book of Luke, the Bible says that Jesus steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. He knew what was going to take place in Jerusalem. He knew what would happen just outside the city there on that hill. He knew what would happen. He did it. And Jesus says, you want to know love? You want to really know love? Jesus gave his life for you voluntarily. That's love. Amen. Amen. That's love. Now, we volunteer for things all the time. I remember last year, remember this, about four, five, six years ago. You remember we had a cake contest on Sunday night? And we had probably about 20 cakes. Some of you guys made some cakes. And, and Laz and I, listen, Laz and I, I'll never forget it. We took the bullet and volunteered to taste those cakes. Well, I think we were the first two to volunteer. Maybe the only two. But we took the bullet. You remember that one? And we said, we will do it. We will taste the cakes to see which one is the best. Well, that was hard. <laughs> but we volunteered for that. You volunteer for things all the time. But I'm telling you what, Jesus knew what was going to happen. And he voluntarily laid down his life for you and for me. That is love. Secondly, he did it vicariously. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in my place vicariously. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah the chapter 53 and verse 6 that, that God the Father laid the iniquity of the world on Him. 
John the Baptist looked and when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He died voluntarily, but not only that, he died vicariously for you and for me. He died. Listen, the spotless Lamb of God died for a sinner like me. It's called the imputed righteousness of Christ. He died voluntarily. He died by Paris the third. He died victoriously. <laughs> victoriously. He laid down his life. I love what the Bible says in John chapter 19 and verse 30, I think it is. It says this, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. He just bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Earlier he said, it is, it is finished. I'm not finished. It is finished. The job is finished. He died victoriously. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, listen to the gospel. Paul says, I declare to you the good news which I preach to you, which also you receive, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's victory right there, my friend. Jesus died. He was buried, but three days later, up from the grave, He rose. That is victory. Max Lucado, I've read every book he's ever written. Max Lucado, he and his wife in 1983 moved to Brazil to plant churches before he started pastoring in Texas. And for two years, nothing really was taking place. Nothing was happening. And one of his men in the little church plant walked up to him and said, listen, let's meet every Monday and let's just read the Word together. And so they began to meet and God laid it on their heart as they searched Scripture. God laid it to focus on the gospel. To focus on the good news. Yes, do this and yes, do that. But let's focus on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Max Lucado said, when they did that, things began to take off. Because I'm telling you what, church, I've been preaching for 36 years now. And all I know is that Jesus really lived. He really died. He was really buried. And three days later, He really rose again. I know that. There's a little girl that 
was very sick. Years ago, she was very sick. And she needed a blood transfusion. And she had a friend, a friend her age, and it was the only blood that matched in such a short period of time trying to find out who would match. And so that friend volunteered and they laid side by side in hospital beds. And this little friend gave his blood in a blood transfusion, gave some of his blood to this little girl. When it was all over, the little boy looked at the doctor and said, when do I die? <laughs> and the doctor said, what do you mean, young man? And he said, I gave my blood. When do I die? And the doctor said, oh, you're not going to die. You just gave a blood transfusion. You're okay. Again, a story I read 25 years ago that I've never forgotten. That this friend was willing to give his life and die. But I know one that did give his life. And he died. He died for you and for me. That is the greatest demonstration of love that I've ever experienced and that you have ever experienced. That's what it says here in verse 16. Back to our text. By this we know love. We really know love because He, Jesus, laid down His life for us, for you and for me. And look at what it says here. And we also ought, don't miss this, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Real love leads to an oughtness. You said that's not a word. Well, I just made it up. All right, listen. Real love leads to an oughtness. Look at it again at what it says in verse 16. And we, because he laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. When you look at that in the Greek, it means constantly, it means daily, it means ongoing. We must lay down our lives for the brethren. I love the Salvation Army. I love the story of how it began. And I love what they still do. But years and years and years ago, there was a convention when William Booth, who was the founder, was aged. He was supposed to, supposed to speak, and, and everybody at that convention, they were so excited. William Booth's going to come. He's going to preach. He's going to speak. But right before the convention, with thousands gathered of the army, the Salvation Army, he got to where he did not feel like going. So they asked him to wire something that they could read. And William Booth wired something. A messenger got up and opened it to read it, and it was one word, and that word was others. Others. And so that messenger got up, and he just looked at it and went, 
This is what William Booth wrote to be read by others. That was the heartbeat of the founder of the Salvation Army. That ought to be your heartbeat, and that ought to be my heartbeat. Others. Notice what it says here. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods. Now, church, let this speak to your heart. Whoever has this world's goods. When you look at that, what it means is if you have clothing, all right, so I'm going to get as simple as I can right now. I'm going to look at everybody in this house and thank the Lord all of your goods. All right? Now, I can't vouch for those right home. I'm not going there, right? But right here, every one of you are dressed. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Okay? Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Aren't you glad? And so that word means if you've got this world's goods, you have clothing, you have food, okay? And so I'm assuming you had fruit loops or raisin bran or whatever, oatmeal. Alright? Bacon eggs, who had that? My soul. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming you had something made. And then shelter. Alright? If you if you got those three things. Whoever has this world's goods, if you have that, if you have enough of the necessities of life, and then it says this, and sees his brother. That word sees means you give your brother attention. It means you don't glance at your brother that you, you gaze at them. When you look at that word, it means, listen, you contemplate the word is a word that comes from our word theater. It's like when you go years ago and watch Star Wars, you sat there with your bucket of popcorn and your Coca-Cola, and you looked up and you just gazed at that thing. It's, it's the word theater. And what John is saying is, listen, listen, listen. Jesus gave his life. This is the greatest demonstration of love. And because he gave his life, there's an oughtness in your life. There's an oughtness in my life. If I've got clothes, if I've got food, if I have shelter, I've got to look at my brother. I've got to gaze at them. I've got to contemplate them. I've got to look at them. And look at what it says here. If you do that, and you shut up his heart. If, if you look at your brother, and they're in need, and you shut up your heart from him. That word, those two words, shut up your heart. It means to, in the Greek, to slam the door and lock it. Eugene Peterson and the, 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 the message said it like this. You turn a cold shoulder to that person in need. If you do that, Notice what it says here. How does the love of God abide in him? How in the world? How does the, how, how does the love of God really, if you can do that, how does the love of God really abide in my life or in your life if, if you can do that? And church, what is so amazing is at the end of verse 16, he uses the plural brethren. But then in verse 17, he uses the singular brother. 
This is what C.S. Lewis said about that. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. That's pretty good about that. Well, I give to this, and we should. But, but sometimes we, we can give in general, but not help in particular. He says, how does the love of God abide in Him? I'm so glad that I'm a member of White Baptist Church. Because um, our Access Campus for several years, they have been helping Homeboy. It's a place and they have been helping them at Thanksgiving and at Christmas and, and they have in the past picked up children from Homeaway and taken them to hear the Word of God. The elementary school that's right over here on Hickson Pike. You may not have known this, but we as a church for several years provided bags of food for children that were in need. We provided snacks for them to have something to eat. Most recently, we uh, here and uh, at this campus, we have the Highways and Hedges ministry. Yesterday was an incredible day. Folks in the fellowship hall, back there, a team of people, Back there making food and bagging it up and putting it in uh, crock pots and coffee and thermoses and, and cupcakes and sandwiches and, and soup and, 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 and it was incredible. And that team back there, incredible. By the way, let me say this parenthetically, they could not have done that unless you gave Folks gave, you gave out of your heart for this ministry, and not only that, but you put prayed for, for the ministry. I mentioned it on Facebook, and so many responded that, that they were praying yesterday as, as we went out. So there was a group back there, and, and they prepared, and, and then another group that came and, and took the food to Sigma Mountain, to the people who are homeless back there. And when we were able to, to give soup and coffee and sandwiches and cupcakes to, to folks that really, really needed it, and then we gave them some physical things as well. You'll read about it in, in the email that will be sent. But, but seeing, listen, seeing them Get the stuff that was absolutely amazing. And then Leslie and I had the opportunity to go and go to a gun barrel and meet another group of people. And, and we were able, really until dark last night, to, to give them soup and, and stuff that I just mentioned a moment ago. We went from the brethren to the brothers. And there was a sister there too. Now can I tell you something? When we started this, and I don't want to camp out here long, but when we started this, we met a guy named, we call him Gun Barrel Mark. 
And others call him roadkill. There's a story to that. We met a guy named Chaos. Uh, we met a guy, I call him Stretch, about six foot, I can't even touch his head. His name is J James. I call James Stretch. We got a, name, a guy named Skateboard. There's a guy named Space Boy. There's a guy named Miami. There's a Jeremy, and there's a Phil, and there's a Nikki, and there's a, an Artie. And when we met these folks, they're just names. But can I tell you something? They become friends. I'm going to share something. With and y'all pray for me when I get in the car because those of me knock my head up. <laughs> we couldn't find roadkill about a month ago. Gun barrel walk. We, we couldn't find him. And he's the first one that we found we've been ministering to for so long. We just couldn't find him. He, hey, listen, the homeless, they're like herding cats. I'm telling you, it, it's, it's interesting. And so we couldn't find him. And, and so we looked a couple of weekends and and where is Drokil? Where is Gun Barrel Mark? We love this guy. Where is he? And so one day, I had to be over in that area. And I drove by where he had been in the past. And, and, and I saw Gun Barrel Mark. And I pulled around. I said, where have you been? So we got to chatting. I got in the car. And I called Leslie. And I said, I just found Gun Barrel Mark. She did it right now. She started weeping. Weeping and sobbing. Why? Because these folks go from brethren to brothers. We are understanding their dreams and we are understanding their desires and, and we are beginning to we are beginning to sense what, what they really need and, and we're beginning to hey listen gun barrel mark is the first one that gave his heart to Jesus and he's on his way to heaven now. That's a great place for an amen. Thank you. I'm gonna go down here and start amen myself. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when I, when I was reading this passage of Scripture, it, it just absolutely came alive in my heart. It's the love of God was demonstrated, and there's an oddness about it, and, and that oddness is that we lay down our lives, and if we have the necessities of life, that we help those who don't. You say, is it always easy? I usually stay in the car because Daniel's in the back seat. And I park so I can keep an eye on Elizabeth, it's just me and her. She's been surrounded by police twice. Police. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Usually I'm I'm in the car and usually I'm praying, but I have my iPhone and I'm I'm looking at scores and ESPN and stuff. I'm praying. <laughs> But I'm also just, it was my I'll check a score. I'm praying, but I'll check a score. Daniel's in the back seat twice. Daniel's going, Dad? 
Dan kalau kuat balik tidur. My wife surrounded by three police officers one time. I'm looking up. <laughs> and then another time, behind a little area, I don't even need a little work because they don't want you to. But behind another little area, I'm praying. I promise you, I'm praying. But it's also looking at my phone. And I hear, I pray. And I hear they go again, Dad. And I look up. Not only have they surrounded, not only Leslie and the, the two, three homeless folks there, they're, they're patting her down. <laughs> Somebody had stolen a pink cell phone. I rolled down my window and I hear her go, I got a pink cell phone. <laughs> it's in the car. I got a pink cell phone. And they're patting her down. You say, what are you doing at this time? I'm laughing my head off. I really am. I thought it was a funny thing I've ever seen in my life. We've been, we've been married 35 years. We've been through so much. Watching you mock and pat down to the police, that's just another day in our life. You understand That's just another day in our life, son. And so I'm just, I am laughing my head off. And I look back there at Daniel. His eyes are that big, like saucers. And then he so, sees me giggling. And so he starts laughing at his mom. <laughs> And then she gets in the car and she goes, beat it! <laughs> and say, it's not always easy. But what I want you to understand is, is, is these folks that, at the Access Campus that have been dealing with home away. Listen, they start as a group, but they become friends. If you have this world's necessities, my time is gone, but I want you to look at, um, look at verse uh, 19. Look at verse 19. And by this we know. Here, here is not only the demonstration, but the destiny. This is the second word, the destiny. And by this we know that we are of the truth. How do you not know that you are of the truth? That you are of the truth. And shall assure our hearts before Him. That word assure means that you have a calmness before God. That word means that you have a, you're soothing in your relationship. And one commentator wrote about this. You have a confidence, not, not boastfully, but you have a confidence before God. It quiets the troubled heart when you flesh out the Word of God. Verse 20, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. What is that saying? It means trust what God says, not what your heart says. That's what it means. You trust what God says, not what your heart says, because Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So we trust God. Our heart will try to deceive us. Verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandment abides in him. There's a mutual abiding here. Abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Church, we're all Every one of us are on a race, a journey of life. Last week I read about a girl named Kayla Montgomery. It intrigued me because this young girl had MS, has MS. My mother had MS. But she wanted to be a 
distance runner. And her MS, what it did to her body is when it got hot, she could not pull her legs. But she wanted to run, and so she ran track. And in her high school in North Carolina, she was so good that she got offers to uh, Lipson University there in Nashville. And she ran track with them. She found a coach, and this is what the coach said. He said, you can run like the wind, but her problem was, because she could not throw her legs, she couldn't stop. This is a true story. She became the 21st fastest woman in America. And she could flat run, but she could not stop. And so this is what her coach said. Her coach said, you do the running, and I'll catch you at the finish line. You do the running, and I'll catch you at the finish line. And sure enough, that's what she did. She would take off running. The momentum would take her. She would just pick up and go faster and faster and faster and faster. When she got to the finish line, she could not stop. Her coach was there, would pick her up and carry her to safety. That's exactly what's going on in your life and my life right now. We are running this race. We're heading to the finish line. My dad just finished it not too long ago. And I promise you, the coach, the greatest coach in all this world, caught him and carried him to a safe place. How's your love life? Would you walk down an aisle? Even if you had to have a cane? And sit in the floor? Do you care? Do I care? For people who really need me. There's an office. Man, he's got a heart. As Andrew makes his way to the Piano, and as you, as you bow your head and close your eyes, I just want you to search your heart this morning. And I truly want you to ask yourself that question How is my love life? This may be, when it's all said and done, the longest sermon I've preached in a while, okay? But I hope and pray it's one that got a hold of your heart as it did mine. If you're here this morning and you need Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know that He died for you voluntarily, vicariously, and victoriously. If you're here today and you need Jesus as your Savior, I'll be down front. I'd love to talk to you after the service. I'd love to share Christ with you. If you're here and maybe God has laid on your heart something very specific about this passage, my heart would say to your heart, respond. My heart would say to your, 
part, live it out. Beginning even today, give to one of these ministries that we've mentioned. Give to your to your church, first of all. And give to one of these ministries that I've mentioned. Monetarily, prayerfully, personally. Very quietly, very reverently, would you stand? I want to pray. I just want to pray this morning. I just want to pray. And allow the Holy Spirit just to move. Father, dear God, I sure have done a little talking this morning, and I know it. Father, I pray that we will flesh out your word. As I've often prayed, that we'll take theology and turn it into biography. Care that there will be a promise to each and every one of our lives and to us as a church. Help us not, God, to major on my things. Help us, God, to major on the major thing. That's King Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. You're dismissed. Tell three people that you love them. Let me say this before, before you leave. Thank you so much. We need help with decorations. All right? We need help. It's in the fellowship hall. I, I need eight people that will say, I'll come. Right. There's, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six, there's seven. I need one more. There's eight. All right, there's nine. All right, let's go to the fellowship hall. There's ten. Hallelujah. Go to the fellowship hall. Let's go right now. Right